Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Good morning, guys. Again, the word says you get a double portion, you're blessed. You get a double portion of beauty this morning. I mean this, beauty. All right, so, sorry, my headphone is falling down into my shirt, and it looks funky, and it's weird. Are y'all nervous? It's just me then, all right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not nervous. Uh, so, we have been talking, last week we dived into a series of scripture in Matthew, which is known as the Beatitudes. And if you're like me, when I hear the word Beatitudes, I automatically think of the word beautiful, and I always want to call it the beautiful-tudes, and I don't know why, but I read it as Beatitudes, and I got to thinking, and I was like, I don't even know what Beatitudes even, like, that's a weird, if you were to go to someone who wasn't saved, and you're like, have you heard of the Beatitudes? They'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I looked it up. And I just wanted to share with you before we move forward, because I know that I'm the person who likes to know what words mean. The Beatitude literally just comes from Latin words, which means blessed are. So the portion of scripture that we're studying, um, it just depicts the blessedness of people in different situations or with different qualities or characteristics in their life. So as we go through this study in the series, just take that to heart, that this is what God considers blessed uh, and we're going to dive into some more of that in just a second. Uh, but before we get into what we're going to read today, I'm, this is weird. I keep wanting to turn this way to y'all. I'm not ignoring you, I promise. Uh, before we get into a, kind of what we're going to break down and talk about this morning, I wanted to go back to Matthew chapter 4 and kind of fill you in on where we, like, who is Jesus speaking to? Why is he saying all of these things? Why now? He's on the, why is he on this hillside speaking? Uh, so if you haven't ever read Matthew chapter 4, I would encourage you to do so. There's a, like, Jesus, like, blew the door open in Matthew chapter 4. There's so many, like, key things you know about Jesus' life, you just probably don't realize they all happen in chapter 4. Um, I mean, Jesus is tempted in the wilderness in chapter 4. Uh, he, he starts calling disciples in chapter 4. He starts healing people in chapter 4. Uh, so he started to call his disciples. He's been healing people throughout the surrounding area. And, I mean, how many of you know that? If you were to hear of this person, like, miraculously healing massive amounts of people, word's going to travel. Even in the day when they couldn't tweet it out, you know, word travels. Like, there's this dude, and he's, like, on fire. And, like, people, like, there's people who haven't walked since birth, and they're just getting up. And, like, it's crazy. So all of these people start hearing about Jesus. And so the crowd start following. Everyone's like, well, gosh, if they're getting healed, I'm going to bring, you know, Aunt Martha over here who's sick. They were bringing people with seizures. They were bringing people with demon possessions to Jesus to be healed. And the word says in chapter 4 that after he heals all the people who are there, they crowded around him so much that he gathered up on this hill 
And this is what he chose to speak to the crowd of people. So this is what he chose to relay to those people who were seeking healing, who were coming for the miracles, who were coming for all of these things, who had afflictions and pains and burdens and hard points in their life. This is what he spoke to them, this whole list of Beatitudes. But today we are going to focus on two different portions of Scripture. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and read this out. Daniel, can you put up uh, Matthew 5, 4 and 5? Uh, and it says this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So first I want to stop and talk about this first verse. Blessed are those who mourn. Um, I, when I read through a lot of these statements in, in the Beatitudes, I often look at the beginning portion of this. Bless, blessed are those who mourn makes no sense to my natural mind. Because I don't know anyone who likes to stay in a state of mourning. I don't know anyone who enjoyed, like, I don't know anyone who loses something or has something worth mourning happen in their life. And it's like, oh, I'm so blessed. Thank you, God. I don't know anyone who that's their natural response to this. But Jesus was looking at a crowd of people who had every reason to mourn and said, blessed are those who mourn. And so I was asking the Lord, about, like, I kind of got hung up on that first statement. I'm like, blessed are those who mourn. Makes no sense to me, Jesus. Why would you say this? And then he was like, read the rest of the scripture. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And it gives you the answer. It's one of those common answers, because they will be comforted. Because up to this point, you guys have to understand, up to this point, the comforter hadn't come. Mm. Up to this point, like, they knew of God, and they could communicate somewhat to God, but Jesus knew that hold up, you're blessed when you're in this place of mourning because now you have a comforter. Mm -hmm. Now you have someone who can comfort every hurting place in your life in in a way that no other thing, no other person, no other uh, thought could up into this time. Mm -hmm. Um, So in in saying that, I do want to focus in uh, on one specific thing that's on my heart this morning when it talks about being blessed as we mourn. because I was looking at this scripture in the Amplified. Who loves, I love the Amplified. It's like the king of run-on sentences, but I love it because it's so much more descriptive and gives me such different language than I could ever have. So if you haven't ever read the Amplified version, I would recommend looking into that. But this in the Amplified says, blessed are those who mourn. Actually, sorry, let me do this again. Blessed, forgiven, refreshed by God's grace are those who mourn over their sins and repent. So blessed are those who mourn over their sins and repent, for they will be comforted when the burden of sin is lifted. So the first thing I want to talk about this morning is mourn sin. Because we often look at mourning and we think of those places in our lives that are hurt and broken and the things that we want God to heal. But there are also places in our life that the Lord, there's a healthy amount of mourning over some certain things that the Lord, I believe, is going to speak to your heart today. Um, So how do we mourn our sin? What does that even mean? Um, Well, first of all, we mourn our sin by being quick to repent. The pastor talked about David, and it was funny because David's been really on my mind as I study this because David was called a man after God's own heart, right? But if you read the story of David, there's a lot of moments in his life where he seems like anything but a man after God's own heart. He seems like a man that's after the things of the flesh, Uh, desires of his own heart, but 
the Lord says, no, 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 I don't see that when I look at you. But why? Because David was quick to turn and say, oh, man, I missed that big time. And he would fall at the feet of God and say, forgive my heart. I mean, read the Psalms. A lot of it is lamenting for things that happened in his life, bad choices that he made. So we can mourn sin by being quick to repent. Um, I just kind of said there's, a, there's some things in your life that God has a healthy amount of mourning for you, which can seem to kind of rub against a lot of the things that we believe here because God wants the best for you. God wants the greatest for you. He is so madly and passionately for you without a doubt for you, but there is a healthy sorrow and it's found in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. So before this, if you read 1 Corinthians, Paul is super tough on the church, right? He writes this letter to the church in Corinth and was like, y'all are not, y'all haven't got it together. Like, it was kind of harsh. It would be kind of like pastor pulling me aside after this and being like, hey man, that wasn't together. And it would, you know, it would, it would okay, who, yeah. How many of you in here love to be corrected? You love it when people point out your flaws and correct you? Yeah. Do you have that water? Um, can you grab that water for me? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. She's going to grab a water for me. Um, so I don't know anyone in here or, or, or any point in my life where I've been like, mm, correction, yay, fun. I also don't know any time we've been like, we're going to talk about repentance today. And everyone's like, woohoo, yay. Um, but there is a healthy side to sorrow that we often don't see. Uh, so Paul writes this really rough letter to the Corinthians in First um, Corinthians. In Second Corinthians, it's almost like if you're reading through it, he's like, mm, maybe I was, I, maybe I was too tough on you. He even writes that out. Like at first, I thought that I was too tough on you, but then he gets to verse nine. Uh, so it's Second Corinthians seven, verse nine and ten. Uh, and it says, now I'm glad I sent it. He's talking about the letter. Before this, he's like, I was kind of not sure I should send this letter, but now I'm glad I'm sent it. Not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It's the kind of sorrow that God wants his people to have. So you were not harmed by us in any way. And he keeps saying in verse 10, for this kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So I want to challenge you this morning to, when you're, when you're looking over these scriptures, especially talking about mourning, to open up your heart to say, Lord, is there something in my life that I should be mourning over? Um, because we all have those places in our lives that aren't smooth. We all have those places in our life that the Lord is still working on. But oftentimes we, we, we I don't, how can I say this? I don't want this to hurt anybody's feelings. Sometimes we uh, repent. I won't even call it repent. Sometimes we say we're sorry because we're sorry that from the effects of what we did or we're sorry that someone like found out and pointed it out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm not the only one in here who's been that way. Like, I'm sorry I got caught with that. I don't know if I'm sorry I did it. But there's a thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm just real. Y'all act like you've never been human. Y'all are laughing because you know. Yeah. So there, that's worldly sorrow. That's what he's saying. That doesn't lead to repentance. That leads to, oh, man, I got to figure out how to, like, hide that better. 
Yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? That's what worldly sorrow does, or it's fear of the consequences of your choices. And while, you know, the Lord doesn't necessarily take away the consequences of our choices, but there's something to godly sorrow saying, you know what, God, I missed it. And yes, I'm, I, I don't love the position that I'm in, but more than that, my heart hurts that I hurt your heart. My heart hurts that I didn't obey what you've called me to do. I wasn't obedient to you. That's the sorrow that will dig deep into your heart and heal those places. And that's when the comforter can come in. When you mourn in those places, the comforter still comes, even when you're mourning for your sin. Um, there's a, even, even in Luke, there's a story. I'm not going to pull it up or read through it, but um, there's a story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Jesus is telling this parable of a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisee, long story short, comes to the, the temple and is like, you know, I'm so thankful, Lord, that I'm not, you know, I don't sin like this person and I don't have this issue and I don't have that issue, which is a great thing. I mean, how many of you would be like, that's not a bad thing to say. Thank you, God, that I'm, I don't struggle with that because there are a lot of struggles that hook you in ways that I've never had to experience. So that's not a wrong thing. But that's all he does. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not. It's almost like he's looking down on these things. I'm not this and I'm not that. But then it says there's a tax collector who everyone hated in that time. Let's just be real. Like was considered the scum of the earth. Tax collector came, poured out his heart to God and said, you know, forgive me. I've sinned. And, and it wasn't this big haughty prayer and it wasn't this eloquently spoken religious thing. And Jesus said only one of them walked away justified meaning the man who came and poured out his heart and was humble before the Lord and mourned his sin, walked away justified. So the Lord is interested in healing your mourning places, but he's also interested in the breaking of your heart for your sin, for the sins of the world. We can intercede and mourn for the sins of the world, y'all. So I just want you to think about that um, as we talk about this. Um, I, there's one other story that came to mind that I want to share really quick before Sierra takes over. And if you have anything to add, lovely wife, jump in at any point. Interrupt me. You don't have to not interrupt me just because it's church. Um, I'm just kidding. Actually, if anyone interrupts anyone, it's probably me. So I will try really hard. Uh, y'all can mute my mic back there while she's talking just to make sure. Um, no. But there's one other story that uh, stuck out to me when we were when I was going through this. It talks about... Uh, Repenting quickly. I was thinking of, you know, I talked about David repenting quickly, realizing, oh, I've missed it. Turn around, run to the Father. Um, because I, I don't, I, let me just take this detour. I, I don't know about any of you out there, but I used to run away from the Lord whenever I would miss it. Shame had me so bound up that, like, I would almost uh, feel like the, my inner dialogue with the Lord, or I thought it was with the Lord, would often sound like, man, I love you, but I'm disappointed. That was kind of my inner dialogue with the Lord. I realized later in life, that was my dialogue with the enemy because the Lord was like, man, I love you. Turn to me and lay that down. Um, so I just want to encourage you, if that's you this morning, I just break off that shame of like, oh, I did this. I can't come to church. Oh, I did this. I messed up. I hurt people. I can't go back. I can't run to the Lord. I, I can't even talk to him. It just makes you feel convicted to be in his presence. Conviction is a great thing, but let it push you to mourn your sin and repent and turn from that and run to the Father. But uh, quick repentance. Uh, I was reading a story that Kenneth Hagin, uh, I love when Kenneth Hagin writes. If any of you had, I think it's Kenneth E. Hagin, the, the older one. Yeah? Yeah. Um, if you've ever read what he 
read any of his books. He's so to the point and Kurt, like there's no fluff and he just calls stuff stupid and I love it. I love, like he's like, that's dumb, don't do that. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, it's a little Kurt, but I love it. So he's writing, he's reading, writing the story about a woman who came to him and she was asking him questions and one of her questions was like, I, I have, this has bothered me most of my life and I don't understand why it works this way. My family is faithful. We're here in the church. We tithe. We do all of these things. But if any person in my family has ever been healed or ever received healing for anything, I don't know anything about it. They've never told me. But on the other hand, my husband's family, they're not faithful to anything. And they, I don't, they don't faithfully attend church. They're not giving. Uh, and when they ask for healing, it's done. Like they get healed, they get things they need, and it's just like this, and I don't understand why. And so Kenneth Hagin in his Kurt self was like, well, I don't really know uh, why sometimes people receive things and sometimes people don't. So that's the wrong question to ask me. But what I do know is that there are two characteristics of people who receive healing or things they need or long for from the Lord quickly, and it's that they're quick to repent and they're quick to forgive. And when he said that, she was like, oh my, oh my word, like, you nailed it. And he was like, no, actually the word nailed it. That's biblical. But, you know, see, I love it. He's, he's kind of snarky. Um, but he was like, no, it's not me. It's, the, it's, uh, it's in the word. It says to be quick to forgive and to be quick to repent. Um, and she said, you know what? I got to thinking, uh, you know, she's telling him, now that you mentioned that, my family holds a grudge forever. Like they won't let it go. 20 years later, they're still holding on to it. They may say they're over it, but they're not. Um, and they really don't like to admit when they're wrong. How many of you, like, love it to be like, oh, I'm wrong? Nobody loves to do that. <laughs> come on. But you have to pray for humility, right? So um, she says, but my husband's family, come to think of it, they will take the blame even when it's not their fault. They will, they will repent to people. They will, I've watched them say I'm sorry to people who wronged them, and they had nothing to do with it, but they forgave them and moved on and let it go. And so that, that really, I don't know, that just tied in hand in hand with kind of what I, what I feel like the Lord would speak to your heart today is be quick to repent, be quick to forgive. Uh, if you have trouble forgiving, uh, Miss June and I have talked about this recently, actually. If you have trouble forgiving someone, pray diligently for them. Uh, it might start out as like, Lord, bless their kids and their family, amen. And that might be how it starts. Y'all, let's be real. When you're mad at someone and they've hurt you, that's sometimes how it starts. But it will grow your heart and compassion for them. And you will be able to earnestly pray for them and their family and their children to have the blessing of God and let it go. Uh, so that's what I want you to take from this this morning is to mourn our sin and be quick to repent because the comforter meets us in that place. Amen. Take it away. Mary Sue. <laughs> so, um, I, I loved all of that. I think it's so good. That is something Miss June and I have actually talked about is, you know, really praying for someone until you get a breakthrough that you have compassion on them. And so I think that really ties into this next point. If, Daniel, if you want to go ahead and put up Matthew 5.5, 5, I get this awesome beatitude. And um, we were actually at lunch talking about it. And Cody's like, I don't think I want that one. I said, oh, good. That's the one I want. Um, so it says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And some, there's another translation. Do you have the other translation, Daniel? I think it's the passion. 
If not, it's okay. I, I know it offhand. Um, and it, it prints size, and it says gentle and humble outside of where the meek is. And so I really want to dig in and just kind of dissect this verse for a moment because um, it seems really simple, but there's a lot of meat to this little scripture. And when we think of meekness or humbleness, we usually think of quiet, timid, shy, and, and that's, that's not the Greek ver- word that's being used here. And so I want to dig into that really quickly. We're going to focus on the first half. And I want to um, just, I looked up the word humble, like, okay, what does humble mean? And um, it says, not regarding others as inferior, not overly proud, someone who knows they aren't perfect, yet they also are well aware of themselves. And so I, I love the well aware of themselves and I actually use an example about how someone knew who they were. And so I want to tell you guys a little story. Um, I We actually remodeled our garage this past summer and we turned it into a little studio apartment for my mom. And it's really nice. We love it so much. We're grateful. Um, and I had a, a good family friend that actually did all of our work for us, our carpentry work, which was a huge blessing. And um, we got to this one place, um, and we had to bring some other people in, even, you know, Pudgy came in to help us. Um, because Dennis, he would look at me, and he would say, I could do it you probably don't want me to do it. He was well aware of his gift. He was well aware of his ability. And so when we're like, hey, can you put in the HVAC unit? And he goes, "Uh, you probably don't want me to. We appreciate that, but that's humbleness. Because there's other people that be like, sure, that's more money in my pocket, so I'm absolutely going to do it. But because he was humble, we were all able to prosper. And so that's him knowing who he was. And that's so important in the rest of this verse. And so um, I want to ask you if you know who you are and do you know that you are Jesus and God's beloved? You are. You're Jesus and God's beloved. We get excited about that. The answer is yes. But how did you become Jesus's beloved? Was it all of the great works that you have and your talents? Absolutely not. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. I didn't have to work hard to get into the kingdom. I only had to ask Jesus for forgiveness in my heart and know who he was and then just say, you know, he's Jesus. He's Lord. That's all I've got to do on my end. And so um, your identity, you know, some people think if you're being humble in the Lord, you're like, oh, I'm a sinner. Oh, I'm a sinner. That's who I am. Thank you, Lord, for healing the sinner. Have we sinned? Yes. Do we need to have mourning? Absolutely. But that's not who your identity is. Your identity is child. Your identity is child. You're an inheritor. You get to inherit the kingdom. And so I think that's so important that once we can recognize that our identity is child and not sinner, we can start operating in meekness And meekness, I love this. Um, I have to find my, um, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes. I have to find my definition for meekness. And the meekness is quiet, but there's one word in the 
definition, if you look in Google or, you know, Webster, it says submissive. It's when you can submit. And so there's two places besides this one scripture that meek is used or gentle or humble is used, but it's this Greek word that's used. And the first one is in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. I want to go ahead and pull that up. So we're going to read it in the NIV, and we're going to read it in the Passion Translation because I just like seeing all different nuggets and really understanding the Greek too. And so it says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. That's, that's where this word meekness or submit, being submissive is in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let's go ahead and do the Passion Translation. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I am gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. And so I love that so much where, you know, if you join your life with mine. So what they are actually describing there is how a trainer for a horse would pair a colt up with a horse that's been broken in. And the reason why they needed to do that is so that it wouldn't be as afraid of the yoke and it would actually comply better. And so it's like, okay, Lord, what does this mean for us? And he's calling us to take up on his yoke so that we can, it's not as much of a burden to bear, and that's great, but even more so, once we can learn his ways, that horse has more freedom, he's able to operate in his abilities better. So if a cult isn't broken in, it's not usable. It's just going to be wild out in the field. But if you can bring it to a place where it can submit to this other broken in horse, then it can begin to operate even in and on its own with the trainer. And so that's why it's so important that we pull in to Jesus and we take his yoke so that we know his ways and so that we can operate in his ways. And so um, the third place that this is used is actually going to be in Matthew 21, 5. I only have this one scripture. Did you put that one scripture in? Um, Yes. And so I actually am going to talk about the whole verse really quickly. I'm going to paraphrase it. Um, Hold on just a second. Are y'all still sleepy because of this time change? I know it's affected me this morning. (laughs) I can tell jokes while you pull it up if you like. Yes, please do. Go for it. Uh, Okay. I'm blanking now. (laughs) But they still laugh, so it worked. So... Leading up to this verse, what's happened is, is Jesus is approaching Jerusalem, and he turned to his disciples, and he said, hey, go get me a donkey and her colt and bring them to me. And they bring them to him, and of course, the disciples, they, you know, they put their cloaks over it, and he rides into um, the city on this donkey and her colt. And so, In verse 5, it says, say to daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle. There's that, that same word as meekness used. And it says, and riding on a donkey and on a coat, the fowl of the donkey. And so why is this so important? Why are these the same? Well, that donkey was submissive. But more than that, when the donkey became submissive, it actually was fulfilling a prophecy 
that happened in the Old Testament. And when he came riding in on a donkey, the people knew that he was king of kings and lord of lords. It actually goes on to say um, that then expectantly a large crowd gathered, carpeted around the, the road before him, and they with their cloaks and prayer shawls. And, um, you know, they cut down the branches and they said, bring the victory, Lord, son of David. He is the blessed one sent from the Lord Yahweh. So they were saying, Hosanna, this is the Lord. This is the King of Kings. So why do I feel like these tie in together? It's because when we can become submissive and humble in who we know, we are a child of God, And we can submit to him and say, God, use me however you want to. Just like the song this morning, I'm available, Lord. Use me, not for me to be seen, but for you to be seen. When that can happen, the son, Jesus, is seen. He is seen. His works are being carried out. People then know about the hope of the world. I don't know. Then they know about the hope of the world. You know, and so how great is that, that we get to carry Jesus? If we're submissive, we get to carry Jesus to the world. And so then we're going to go right into this last, the last part of this is when we walk in humility and meekness, we know who we are. We will submit our will to God's will, which is to serve mankind. And Jesus came to love the world. He came to love the ones who were mourning. He came the ones that were rejected and who had been hurt. And that's who he's calling us to be. But how can we serve them well is serving with identity. And so that's the point that I want to make is we need to serve from a place of identity. And it's like, how does that tie in with this verse? It's, it's because it's call, that's what it's calling us to do when we're being mournful or when we're meek, um, you know, blessed are the meek. And so this last scripture is a reference to the end. It says, you know, blessed are the mourn, for they will inherit the earth. I actually had a footnote in my Bible, and it said, go to Psalms 37, 11. So I want to go there, and I'm going to do two different versions again. Um, it says, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. And in the Passion Translation, it says, but the humble of heart will inherit every promise and every enjoy abundant peace. And so when I came across this, I was like, wow. When we are able to operate in our identity, submitted to the Lord, we're going to inherit the earth. Well, what does that even mean? You know, um, it's... God's kingdom coming to earth, it's when what you would do on your own produces no fruit, God's grace will begin to bring fruit. And so we can use this. How do we use this in everyday life? You know, this can be at work. This can be in our relationships. This can be trying to raise three kids that drive you crazy, you know. Um, This, (laughs) you know, you can use this and you can say, okay, God, I say I want a promotion at work, if I'm doing it in and of myself, it's not going to be as fruitful. Maybe I will get a raise, but what if I've neglected my family in doing so? What if I've withdrawn from coming to church? Am I going to be blessed? I'm not going to have those relationships anymore. There's going to be something that 
is set to the wayside when you're doing it on your own. You may lose your peace. You may lose sleep at night. You're working all the time in and of yourselves. Now, God calls us to be hard workers. I'm not saying that. But when you're doing it in and of yourself, it's not abundant peace that follows it. It's not a rest that follows it. So, you know, when you are there at your workplace and you're like, you know what, God, what can I do today? Because sometimes we forget we don't need Jesus just here. This is just where we love on each other. And you're like, oh, yeah, I need to be reminded of that. We need Jesus more so out there, out there in our homes, out there in our workplaces, out there at the grocery store, out there at the gas station. You know, you need some Jesus. Y'all are like, especially at the gas station. <laughs> you know, because if it's just make your blood boil, you know, and you, you got to have grace and peace. What if God... You know, what if you felt something in your heart say, fill up that lady's gas tank? God, I don't think I got enough in my, it takes $5,000 to fill up a gas tank right now. I don't think I have enough. God's going to bless you. And when you leave there, you can leave with peace and assurance that you are blessed right here, right now. You don't have to wait to heaven. He's already saying that when we are humbled to him, when we serve him, when we know our identity, we can have that here right now. We can have abundant rest right now. You know, we're spinning our tires too much. And so I want to encourage you, where you're spinning your tires in your life, have you invited the Lord into that place to say, God, what can I do better? Or what can I do different? What do I need to change here that you're seeing? Because you may not be at that workplace to get raise after raise and, you know, promotion after promotion. You may be there because somebody on the night shift that needs to see Jesus, and you're the the, the donkey that Jesus gets to ride on. I know that sounds silly, but you are, you know. You're the one who may be bringing Jesus to their world. And so, blessed are the, the meek, for they will inherit the earth, guys. It's, it's exciting, and it's fun. And when we realize that we don't have to just keep, keep going on, in and on our own, good things happening. Guess what? You can find rest. You can find rest saying, you know what, God? I am here at this job. I may not know why, but I want to be open to you and your will. And things will happen. Great things will happen. And you know what? You'll probably get that promotion or a different job because you don't know that person that you're witnessing to's uncle may own a business that you've always wanted to go into. You have no idea how the Lord's going to orchestrate that for you. But that's, you don't have to. You can just rest in knowing who you are in him. So why serve with identity? It's so that we can be humble before the Lord and know that when we submit our lives, we will inherit great peace, every promise in abundance. And so that's where I want to leave you guys today. I just want to encourage you that there's, we all have places in our life that we can ask God, where can I be more humble? Where do I need to know more of who I am? Where do I need to be more submissive to you, Lord? And all those things will, then will be added to you. Amen. 
Amen. So something, something, I'm going to tag this for just a second. Something that stood out to me as you were talking about the meek, the meek inheriting the earth was in the Old Testament uh, or in the Bible in general, inheritance was a huge deal. Inheritance was like this. It, there was a, so much important placed on inheritance. Uh, and it was like, a, it was a power thing. It was a, it was a, this is who we are and I'm the oldest and this is what we're doing. But what I love about a lot of these things that Jesus was speaking to people is he takes our perception of what we think it is and he flips it on its head. And there's this upside down kingdom of, well, in my kingdom, those who humble themselves and serve inherit the promises of God. It's not those who are the most important and have the most to, to do and give and have the name. It's those who submit themselves to the Lord and say, here I am, send me. It's those who mourn their sin. It's those who do all of these things that are flipped upside down. So um, I just love, I'm so thankful that the Lord can take my understanding of things and flip it on its head and, and make it for my benefit. And a lot of times it's so easy to just step over into that than how our minds are making it seem. Uh, so as we close this morning, band, if you're in the room, uh, you, can you guys join us back up here uh, on the stage? I, as we close this morning, I, I, I want to do something first. Um, I want to give an oppor- I always want to give an opportunity. Maybe you're in here and you're hearing these things and you're like, yeah, that's great. Uh, but I don't really know this Jesus and I don't know why his words have meaning to me, but you felt something pulling on your heart this morning. Um, the, the Bible says the Holy Spirit draws men to repentance, meaning you might not even know why you feel like I need to give my heart to God. I need to ask God to change my heart and to come in. The Holy Spirit's working on your heart. So I want to give you an opportunity if we can all bow our heads and just, I say bow our heads, not because I want you to be embarrassed to raise your hand, but because I want everyone in this room to focus with them and the Lord and not focus on what's happening in the room. I just want to give an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, today is the day of salvation. If you don't know Jesus, you can change that today. If you don't have that comforter, if you've never felt comfort in your morning, you can have that today. So if that's you and you've been in this, you've, you've been in worship today, you felt the presence of God tugging on your heart, you've never given your life to the Lord, meaning you've never prayed and accepted Jesus, you've never really said, Jesus is Lord and I repent for my sins, you can raise your hand because I want to pray with you in this room. If there's anyone at all, I don't want to move on without giving you the opportunity to say, yeah, that's me. And I want to give my heart to the Lord this morning. You know, maybe you're hearing this online and you're sitting in your living room and you're like screaming at the camera. Yeah, that's me. You can do this too. You can say this prayer. You can give your heart to the Lord. So let's pray this together. Maybe there's someone in the room that doesn't want to raise their hand. Maybe there's someone online watching, but I just want to pray this together. Say, Father, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. I believe that Jesus died and rose again and overcame sin. I believe that he is Lord. I accept him in my life. Jesus, be Lord of my life. We thank you and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at Legacy Family dot info.